Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Jay Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can get locally in Tuscaloosa at 100.9 FM from 11 to noon on weekdays. The Talking Tide podcast available as always at our web host at Podbean.com. Also get it at various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Twitter feed, talking underscore tide. You can always get uh, a quick link to the podcast from there. You can always get it from podbean.com pretty much as soon as we're done recording these. And uh, they trick uh, trickle those apps uh, usually about a day later. So there's there's your setup. Alabama hosting Ole Miss for their second SEC game of the 2019 season. It's going to be a 2.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff on CBS. Uh, the line, Alabama by 37 and a half. And Travis, let's, let's start there for a second. What, what have we come to in the SEC when Alabama's favored by 39 over Southern Miss at home one week, and seven days later in the same yard, they're only favored by they're favored by Ole Miss by just a point and a half less than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering that Alabama has won the last two games in this series, what's the combined score in the last two games? It's like 128 to 10 the last two years. I mean, we're talking about like 64 to five. Uh, in the last two meetings between these teams. Uh, maybe that is a tad low, actually, though, Chase, when you think about it for Ole Miss. But, no, that's kind of where we're at in this league, and you're right. I talked about this the other day on my radio show. It's like the SEC is a donut right now. There's nothing in the middle, Chase. You've got five or six teams at the top, and then you kind of got six or seven teams at the bottom, and there's really nothing. There's nothing in the middle. Look at all the the, the teams still looking for a, an SEC win that we've still got. Not just in the Eastern Division, but you know, we've talked about this in relation to Arkansas. Arkansas is going to go a second straight year without an SEC win under Chad Morris, who, by the way, some really good agent j- agenting by Jimmy Sexton once again. Jimmy Sexton got Chad Morris on that $10 million buyout. Yes. So there you go. It's more whole than donut. I, I mean, I, I for, for me, it, it's more like three or four teams at the top, and then what's left. Uh, it, yeah. it, you're you're right. It, it's looking extremely top heavy in the a crater. SEC. There's a crater right in the middle of the SEC, Chase. How about yeah. that? A crater. There you go. The Rebels come in two and two on the season, one and zero oh in SEC play, thanks to a win over an awful Arkansas squad that somebody had to win, uh, and. Yeah, it, it, it's it, and the tick the ticket man. By the way, he he's not doing much better for this game, an SEC game, than he did last week or the or when, with New Mexico State. Uh, no. You 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 can get a ticket uh, through the secondary market right now for twenty bucks or less. Oh, uh, you can get two for twenty five. I know on at least one outlet when you use a certain promo code at checkout. But um, you know here the the, the ticket man right now based on the competitiveness of the games and then you combine a 230 235 240 kickoff in 96 degree heat on saturday the ticket man right now he's having to do everything he can to make it uh in those sort of shaded areas that west side of bryant denny stadium 
and the zones. That's where he's got to do his best work right now, Chase, because that's got to be the only areas of the stadium on Saturday and in recent Saturdays where there's been any type of market for the ticket man, Chase. What would Pops beat the ticket man down to for a game like this? Would he beat him down to $5? Free. No, I've (laughs) seen – look, I've been with the Pop. I've been with Pops when there's been hellacious demand for tickets, good bread. And I've watched Pops walk right up to the man and tell him he's giving $5 for two to games that were sold slap out. And he said it to the man like that. And my young ears, my young ears were witness to uh, uh, some profanity that the man had in response to that offer. He didn't respond to those offers so good from Pops back in the day, the man. Yeah. man. But, uh, oh, Pops would you know, Pops would not not go in for anything more than free uh, yeah. for a game like this, no doubt about it. Uh, worst they could say is no would be Pops' attitude, <laughs> right? Well, Pops would tell him. That's fine. I'll be back in 20 minutes and take them from you for nothing, he'd tell the ticket man. Ah, ticket man really didn't like that. No, no, he doesn't like it at all. So, yeah, once again, a soft market uh, for Alabama home game tickets. Uh, I presume the Tennessee game, just because of the rivalry that it is. Pageantry. Pageantry, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Despite what – now, that may be another 35-point line or 40-point. Who knows? But uh, the way Tennessee's playing, it wouldn't shock me. But you would think Tennessee would draw a little higher demand. We'll see. That's down the road. Um, That's become the the third A-day in October instead of the (laughs) – third saturday in october it's basically the third a day these days in october brutal uh the old miss rebels coming in with a little bit of a question mark travis at the quarterback position matt corral the freshman uh at least to this point uh in the week as we record the podcast now hadn't gotten a lot of reps with the ones this week they may be turning to a, a backup against alabama which certainly wouldn't bode well uh, but uh, it's a – and that's for the offense that Matt Luke likes to run. The last thing he needs is a problem at quarterback, and he's already trying to go with a freshman. Yeah, Matt Corral, uh, he played a little bit last year, but because of the four-game rule, was able to salvage that year of eligibility. But John Rice Plumley, a true freshman, because of the injury to Corral in last Saturday's game against Cal – Plumley came off the bench and played some good football, Chase. This was a guy that at one point in his recruitment a year ago was actually committed to Georgia. So he had legitimate uh, suitors out there uh, during his recruitment, John Rice Plumley did. Uh, came off the bench last week, completed all seven of his passes against Cal for 82 yards, three carries for 53 yards. The problem is Rich Rodriguez likes to run that quarterback. He likes that quarterback running back dynamic with the zone read and the RPOs and sort of the new wave triple option that involves more of the passing aspect of it than it does, uh, say, the wishbone or the flex bone or those type of things, the traditional triple option. But it's a big storyline for this week, no doubt about it. Will Corral play? If he does, do we still see Plumley in the game? I think Ole Miss is even getting another true freshman ready this week. So uh, there are two or three possibilities behind center for the Rebels on Saturday. Scotty Phillips averaging 90 yards a game. Pretty good running back for Ole Miss. Uh, I think he's a little bit underrated, frankly. Uh, obviously, they like to throw it around in Oxford. So 
um, you know, the running backs haven't been the uh, the bell cow of the offense down there, and I don't know how long, but there's a guy that can play some football, Travis, and I presume, uh, having not seen a ton of Ole Miss football thus far this season, that, that Scotty Phillips averaging 90 yards a game tells you that Rich Rod, at least to some extent, is trying to take some pressure off of these inexperienced quarterbacks. I don't think there's any doubt. It's still a spread offense, Chase, but it's not the Phil Longo spread from the last few years, which was more on air raid principles, whereas Rich Rod, he's more along the line from a spread perspective like a Gus Malzahn. He really wants to spread the field to run the football, and you're right. It's been good news for Phillips from that standpoint because he's averaging right around 21 carries a game. He's getting some totes. Now, his yards per carry are only around 4.3, but I'm with you. I like Scotty Phillips as a back, and I think it helps that they've added another true freshman in that backfield in Jerrion Ely, uh, another guy like Plumley at the quarterback position. This was a guy Alabama was heavily involved with on the recruiting trail for the class of 2019. He's been a very nice compliment, Chase, to Phillips in that you know he's not as thick. He's 180 pounds. They can do some different things with Ely, split him out. Uh, yeah, and, and we saw that last week, right, with these Alabama inside linebackers getting some backs in space, trying to get those matchups. And I think that's what you're going to see with both Phillips and Ely on Saturday with Shane Lee and Christian Harris. Elijah Moore has been the top receiver for the Rebels. Obviously, uh, he's the top guy in a receiving core that's had to replace uh, some key players. Obviously, A.J. Brown and, and, and Moncrief as well have moved on. He's got 29 catches in four games, so definitely he's been the favorite target uh, for Corral, and presumably uh, if if the backup plays a lot of football, Moore will see uh, his share of action as well. Uh, defensively, just not a lot there for Ole Miss. We're, we, we typically see some bad Ole Miss defenses that at least have a little bit of star power, right? Um, yeah. Maybe a defensive tackle or a, or a pass rusher who's big time. Uh, I don't see it. I, I don't see any st- – Josiah Coatney, the defensive tackle, is a pretty good player. Uh, but this is this is a rebuild defense right here for Ole Miss. Especially at the linebacker and uh, secondary levels where Alabama really lit up Ole Miss last year in Oxford. But Benito Jones has played a lot of football at the nose tackle position. A couple of career starts against Alabama in this series. They haven't gone particularly well and uh, for the Rebels in either of those. And you mentioned Coatney. I think depth actually along the defensive line, if there is something sort of considered to be a strength for Ole Miss on defense, it's probably up front. Freddie Roach, the former Alabama linebacker, former support staffer, at UA under Nick Saban has done a really nice job of sort of assembling best he can uh, a representable sort of defensive line over there in Oxford. So that is a matchup I will be interested in watching, Chase, with Evan Neal at left guard, Landon Dickerson at right guard, with Benito Jones and Josiah Coatney, Chris Owens in that mix for Alabama at the center position. You know, if there is an area though for Ole Miss on that side of the ball, and I'm with you, I'm not, I'm not equating these guys to, to star power, uh, but in terms of legitimacy, uh, SEC caliber type players, I think Benito Jones and Josiah Coatney kind of fit that bill. 
You mentioned Alabama's offensive line. We'll go ahead and pivot in the direction of uh, some practice notes now. Uh, this week in practice, Deontay Brown working with the twos. He is now through his suspension, eligible to play against the Rebels. We'll see if he does. Uh, maybe he doesn't start. I think he is the starter eventually as the season continues. But you know the Alabama running backs were pleased to see that guy back in the mix, Travis. Yeah, that's the difference. Uh, when you look at numbers from a year ago, Chase, in games that uh, that Deontay started at the guard position and then look at three of the four games so far this season in which Alabama's had the same three interior guys uh, when they've had Evan Neal and Owens and Dickerson together. With those three guys together in three of the four games, Alabama's averaged 3.6 yards per carry. In the four games last year that Deontay Brown started and finished with the ones, I'm taking one game out of there, the fifth, because he only played about 20 snaps against Mississippi State before he had to come out with the re-aggravation of that turf toe situation he dealt with last year. But Alabama, with Deontay Brown in those four starts, 5.8 yards per carry chase. And I understand, look, you still had Ross Pierce Baker at center last year. You know, there were other dynamics in play. Uh, with that offensive line, Alex Leatherwood was working at right guard last year. And, hell, that's before you talk about the running backs with Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs. So I get all that. But I think it's pretty much inarguable that with Deontay Brown on the field, you're probably going to run the ball a little more effectively. Now, the challenge has been laid out there. You heard from Nick Saban earlier in the week. Uh, Deontay's still got some trust to rebuild there with uh, Nick and probably the coaching staff in general because it's not just the four games that coaches think about that he had to sit out this year. It's the two biggest games he was forced to miss last year. And you know this, Chase. Coaches, they they have long memories. They don't forget so good. You know, when it comes to stuff like that, he's had some weight issues that he's dealt with during his time at Alabama. So there are a couple obstacles, I think, for Brown to overcome before he just sort of waltzes back into that starting job. But I won't be surprised, Chase, if it sort of plays out where Brown, at some point, we see him perhaps rotate in you know, with that first group and then kind of see where it goes from there. Definitely sounded like a challenge when his name came yeah. up with Nick Saban earlier this week, uh, for sure. So Landon Dickerson, by the way, at that right guard spot, the, the more I watch him, the more I notice a little bit of an edge to the way he plays. He's got a little Justin Britt in him, Travis. Yeah, I think. he could have grown up on the west side of Jacksonville. <laughs> Landon would have been just fine. Lana would have been just fine at Edward H. White High School in the mid-80s. Yeah. I, I feel comfortable in, in saying that about Landon Dickerson, no doubt. Yeah, I've, I've noticed a couple of defenders don't appreciate the way he finishes a couple of blocks. But, he uh, has, in the words of <laughs> uh, some Westsiders of the Jackson, on, in Jacksonville, Florida, a little crap in his neck, <laughs> Chase, as they say. A little crap in his neck. Would have looked just fine in the green and gold of the Ed oh, White Commanders. Troy right? Lamb. Troy Lamb coaching him up. Yeah. <laughs> Target Tide podcast moving on. I guess Terrell Lewis back at practice. That's in the news as well. Travis, of course, uh, he didn't go uh, in this last game against Southern Miss. That was uh, heavily noted over the weekend. Back at practice, I think he's got uh, some sort of a minor knee injury that he's recovering from. Defense will be certainly pleased to get him back on the field, especially as Alabama gets to this stretch of, of consecutive SEC games. 
Yeah, and it's going to be, again, we talk about storylines from the Ole Miss perspective as far as injuries go. I think defensively for Alabama, based on you know what we saw through Wednesday's media viewing periods uh, with Terrell Lewis, with DJ Dale at the nose tackle position, Markel Benton, a reserve inside linebacker and sort of core special teamer. Um, you know, based on what we saw through Wednesday's media viewing periods, I would put all three of those guys as questionable. They were taking part in drills at, on some level, so that was encouraging. Um, but do I think any or, or one of the three or all of the three will be close to 100% come Saturday? I'm not so sure about that. And, you know, that's before you get to Will Reichert handling the, the kicking and potentially the punting as well. So those are, you know, those are injuries that, Going against, again, an Ole Miss offense that, first and foremost, you know is going to try to establish the run on Saturday afternoon, uh, DJ Dale, you, you'd love to have there on the point. And if it's not him, then it's probably Fedarian Mathis uh, this week, who's a valuable reserve. If it isn't Terrell Lewis at outside linebacker, it's probably Christopher Allen to go along with Anthony Jennings. And you're okay at inside linebacker because your rotation doesn't really change all that much with Benton's situation. It's still Shane Lee and Christian Harris. But, you know, there's going to be some some role to be taken in the early stages of Saturday's game in terms of, you know, a couple of three important defenders. You know, Jennings has really come on as a pass rusher the last couple of years. I, at the beginning of Jennings' career, he looked more to me like a guy who was going to do a great job just setting a hard edge as a Sam against the run. And, Denzel and, DeVall. And, and, yeah. and somebody else was going to get all the sacks. And a couple years later, no. Uh, he, he's developed a lot as a pass rusher. He really has. He's on a streak right now of three straight games with sacks. Um, and, you know, he, he's he's had to overcome some some injuries himself he's played through some stuff each of the last couple of years so he's a guy you pull for you know I was going to ask you about Terrell Lewis Nick Saban reports that Lewis had a procedure uh, after the South Carolina game he hyperextended that knee in the win over the Gamecocks you know for Terrell Lewis you, you hate it at this point because whereas it's considered minor you know this this guy's a slam dunk NFL player in the future but every time there's one of these procedures or one of these minor setbacks, the way that it's perceived by evaluators at the next level, Chase, in the NFL, it, that file, it just takes another ding each and every time. I know first and foremost right now, it's about having Terrell Lewis at UA doing his thing. And, and who knows, maybe he'll end up using that year next year that none of us thought he would ever need. Uh, but it just seems like, Chase, he keeps... He keeps getting it, no fault of his own, you know, these dings to that file, that medical file. Yeah, it, get, it gets thicker and thicker and, yeah. and, and, and on a guy point. like Terrell, Terrell Lewis. And, and what you got to remember is even with a minor procedure, even with something that only keeps a guy out for a week or two, uh, whether it's one of the minor meniscus deals, for instance, or, you know, maybe a minor ankle procedure, whatever the case may be, well, they may be back playing with effectiveness after a couple weeks, but that doesn't mean the NFL isn't going to see something when they run their MRIs and their x-rays around the combine time, uh, because all those minor injuries, the doctors can still see 
the remnants of those, yeah. the scar tissue, and they make you know they make projections not only on the major injuries, but they Shelf add up the mi- yeah the minor injuries too, yep. and, it, and it all on the back end. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it, how's it going to affect the back end of this guy's career in terms of? His shelf life, right? Um, you know, and and the potential for arthritis and things like that. Like with Todd Gurley, look at the Rams right now. With Todd Gurley after that huge ex- extension chase, yeah. Uh, what? Not even two years after the extension, look where the Rams are right now. Yeah, the the longevity of the end of the pro career is what the doctors at the combine are kind of charged with assessing, and not all of them look at it the same way. You can have one team doctor look at the same player and say this guy. You know, he, he's going to be out of the league in, in three or four years based on the medical information I'm looking at. And another team, Docker, can look at the same guy and think he'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So uh, opinions vary, and, and, and that's that's kind of the uh, – in some ways that's the beauty of the draft, but it can be a curse as well. Uh, Terrell Lewis definitely has, has piled up his share of, of medical issues in Alabama, and, and uh, hopefully, hopefully when he gets to the combine – uh, all the talk will be about his uh, physical testing and, and not about uh, his, his day at the hospital, which, of course, is on the, the first of four days uh, at the combine. They, they do those physical tests last, the 40-yard dash, the bench press. People, some people don't realize that. Every, every guy at the combine is there for four days, and you work out on the last day. And the first day, you're pretty much there. You're at the hospital virtually all day long. Uh, while team doctors look at you from top to bottom. And the first three days, they kind of mentally exhaust these guys in a lot of ways. And so by the time they get to the fourth day, before they even run the 40, uh, they, they're mentally they can be a little bit burned out. And that's, and that's by design. You know, they want to yeah. te- test these guys and push them and, and see what they've got. So Reuben Foster didn't like that hospital trip real no, good. No, you know? no. He, he, uh, he got fed up with that waiting room time. He's stuck in that waiting room a few hours and uh, just kind of – just kind of lost yeah. it, but uh, yeah. at any rate, we're going to move on here on the Talking Tide podcast. Thank a couple of sponsors really quick, uh, starting with North River Dental Associates, charter sponsor of Talking Tide. Dr. Jack Smalley and his professional staff of dental hygienists will take care of your teeth and your family's teeth like nobody else. Uh, whether you need porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry for your kids, laser dentistry, teeth whitening services they do it all over at dr jacks it's conveniently located in northport right off mcfarland boulevard at 1100 fairfax park the phone number 752-3506 you can also make an appointment at northriverdentist.com and uh, the routine cleaning they'll get you in and out of there typically in under an hour it's north river dental associates and dr jack smalley Also want to thank Session Cocktails and Spirits, Tuscaloosa's newest cocktail bar featuring pre-prohibition and modern classic cocktails made by a team of the most talented bartenders in all of Tuscaloosa. It's a smoke-free environment indoors. They got some lounge furniture outdoors for the smokers. It's a great scene down there. Try that $5 banana-infused Jameson Shooter they got on that menu uh i might have given that a shot the last time i went down there uh, at session cocktails hard to beat it stiff drinks fancy glassware funky atmosphere it's session cocktails and spirits 2221 university boulevard in downtown tuscaloosa 
I'm going to tell you about a couple more places there in downtown Tuscaloosa. I'm going to start with Brick and Spoon right there in Timerson Square. Another game day weekend, a home game day weekend upon us. Get your start on Saturday before that Ole Miss game at 2.30 in the afternoon. Go to Brick and Spoon, get you a great breakfast, one of those big breakfasts to get your day going there, that three-cheese omelet. I'll tell you something else, too, for your game day experience. You know what Brick and Spoon also offers? Catering. Catering, that's right. You can get a breakfast buffet catered at about $15 per person. You're talking about your choice of tea, soft drink, or coffee, beignet bites with homemade marmalade, fire-roasted corn grits, scrambled eggs, pecan-smoked bacon, biscuits with honey butter and a fresh fruit tray at $15 a head. They can do that for you. They can do dinner buffets. How about for $20 per person? Your choice again of tea, soft drink, or coffee. You're getting a house salad with ranch and honey mustard, fried chicken tenders, jambalaya, a fresh vegetable medley, warm rolls, and a fresh fruit tray. So they've got some other options for you from a catering standpoint as well. Now, right there at Brick and Spoon now, they've got outdoor seating for you. They've done a great job right there in front of the restaurant so you can enjoy that experience under that covered patio there at Timerson Square. Got the fans blowing out there. Going to keep you comfortable on a warm day. They've got that set up for you now as well at Brick and Spoon. And I'm looking right now at the Brick and Spoon Facebook page. And again, these Bloody Marys are just out of this world. I'm looking at a Bloody Mary right now, and it's essentially a meal with a Bloody Mary. It's got a piece of thick cut smoked bacon there. You got a piece of uh, grilled shrimp, a nice big piece of grilled shrimp. You've got okra, you've got a green bean, you've got olive, you got tomatoes, you got celery. Of course, you got to have a celery stalk and a Bloody Mary with carrots. Great, great Bloody Marys, as always, there at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, as well. Government Plaza, the very best pizza you're going to ever put in your mouth right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. At Heat Pizza Bar, so convenient with the parking garage, the parking deck right there at Government Plaza in downtown Tuscaloosa. So, you know, on a busy lunchtime or a busy evening or a busy game day weekend, you got the you got the parking right there. You got yourself covered at Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza, full bar, nightly specials on a variety of pies. You got the half-off wine bottles on Monday night. Great, great stuff. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. Looking at the rest of the action in the SEC here in the final few minutes of the Talking Tide podcast. And again, Travis, it's a dog meat schedule. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it, this is just. I, Kentucky, I, South Carolina doesn't blow your skirt up, good bread. I, Come I, on, good I, bread. I feel compelled to fire off a sternly worded letter to uh, Richard Arrington Boulevard, you know, SEC <laughs> home office over in Birmingham and see if they can uh, get some. Better matchups together, but yeah, Mississippi State at Auburn, Kentucky at South Carolina, Texas A&M at Arkansas. Uh, let's hold our nose and uh, make some make some picks here. I guess Auburn at home, Texas A&M on the road. Those two seem easy enough. Uh, Kentucky at South Carolina, that one a little bit more of a toss-up, I'd say. 
yeah, competitive, if not classic, I think is the way we've described some games of late so far this season. And I think there's going to be a couple of those. You know, it'll be interesting with Mississippi State and Auburn. How does Auburn handle the success of the big road win at Texas A&M last week? Meanwhile, you've still got quarterback questions at Mississippi State. It seems like we talk about that in connection with just about every team in the league right now when it comes to either injuries or subpar play. Tommy Stevens been banged up for a couple of weeks, the Mississippi State starter. But I'll tell you, this Garrett Schrader, the true freshman for Mississippi State, he's impressed me, Chase. Um, not even so much in terms of skill set, which he, he seems to possess uh, the talent needed, obviously, to play at this level. But I like the kid's makeup from what we've seen to this point. Going to be a little bigger challenge for him to go to Jordan-Hare this weekend if, in fact, he is the guy uh, you would love, obviously, the more – uh, mature and veteran type in Tommy Stevens to start that game if you're Joe Moorhead. So I'll be interested in that game Saturday night. Um, yeah, but otherwise around the league, uh, not a weekend. Uh, that uh, When Alabama Ole Miss is the CBS game, yeah. Chase, I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Well, and you know what? When, when Hugh Freeze was winning 10 games a year at Ole Miss, it, it, that Alabama Ole Miss game oh, yeah. could hold up a little bit, you know, in that no 230 doubt. spot, but uh, not anymore. That's for sure. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us for the Sunday Nighter. Travis and I will be recapping Alabama's game uh against the Rebels Sunday night. We'll be back at you at that time. Until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover. We'll talk to you Sunday night here on Talking Tide.